0: A super Draft is over. Welcome into the SBI podcast. I am Garrett. I really joined with me is Ivis Kolarsep. What's up, my man?
1: Garrett, how's it going?
0: I am doing excellent. Uh, I know you were at the Super Draft. How, how'd that go?
1: Well, it's a, it was a pretty good few days here in Indianapolis. You know, you had everyone from MLS uh, gathered here. And uh, it, it really is one of the more interesting times of year in the league because everyone's in town. Everyone's talking trade. Everyone's at the hotel bar trying to work the trade, the trade lines, and uh, uh, you know it's it's an interesting scene. I think if someone did a documentary and taped it all, I think I think it makes for some pretty entertaining video.
0: Ivis, how many trades did you help out at the bar?
1: <laughs> I don't know if I made any trades happen, but Ivis, <clears throat> I think I not lie. Day, uh, how many drinks did you
0: supply a GM of a team, and they made a trade? Come on, <laughs> give, give, give well, us I mean, give us the details.
1: Uh, you know I, I tell you what i think i think gm's like buying me drinks cuz they want to hear who's doing what but uh, <laughs> i try to keep things close to the vest normally
0: <laughs> well that's <laughs> i like that that's good I, I need to come out and kick it with you next next year at the super draft but um bunch of surprises bunch of uh trades lots of uh head scratchers in the draft lots of teams moving up to get picks uh i, I what we're going to do in uh today's show we're going to have uh eric Savaleta, join us. The Seattle Sounders pick at number 10, and then we'll break down some, uh, some audio by, uh, by a couple of front office personnel for multiple teams later on in the show. But before we get to all of that, though, let's talk a little bit about the draft. Ivis, what did you see out of the draft? You know, kind of, you know, what, what were your initial thoughts now that you've had you know, time to think about it all?
1: Well, I think it's pretty clear that a few teams made out on draft day and really, really ran their drafts excellently and uh, came away winners. And, you know, I think Toronto FC, I think it's hard to argue that that they they had one of the better drafts, I think, maybe in in years. Uh, Obviously, the players still have to pan out. But when you talk about the game plan they must have had coming in, which was to, you know, stockpile allocation money and also try to get the two really talented Canadian players that were in this draft for them to be able to do that and make three trades and stock up on allocation money, which they desperately needed to help their salary cap situation, I think Kevin Payne and, and his team, did. you know, it worked out perfectly for them. And also, I think the Houston Dynamo, once again, pulled off a really outstanding trade without doing much, without, you know, with just sitting there, making their picks, having players fall to them, and them just taking advantage. And And it's, uh, it's kind of a repeat of, uh, you know, three years ago when, <clears throat> Sorry, two years ago when uh, when they were able to grab Will Bruin much later than he should have gone, and also Kofi Sarkodie, and and now you look at look at the Dynamo and and Will Bruin, you know, is one of the top forwards in the league, and Kofi Sarkodie is coming into his own, and Dom Kinnear, Dom Kinnear just knows what he's doing.
0: Well, especially that's that's true. I mean, some teams know how to do the draft, some teams don't know how to do the draft. New York Red Bulls. Um, but some teams know how to do it and and use it to their advantage. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the draft later on. Uh, Actually, after what was a slow week last week for the U.S. men's national team players in Europe, uh, this week a little more news action. Stuart Holden returns back to Bolton. I mean, that has to make everyone happy. Just because, one, obviously we all wanted to be back, back to his form that he was a couple years ago when he was killing it in the Premier League. And number two... I mean, 18 months later after horrific injury, I I, guess I know you've talked to him throughout the, you know, these past 18 months, it, it, quite, I mean, quite a journey for him to really be able to come back and, and overcome this and, and really just get back onto the field and, and hopefully he can make an impact for Bolton.
1: Right. I mean, I think, you know, everyone, a lot of U.S. fans and American soccer fans, you know, are really excited about the fact that he's finally back and. I think I think people need to take a cautious cautious approach about it and I'm sure Stuart Holden is, is feeling the same way in the sense that he's been through so much in his career already as far as injuries and setbacks and he playing the waiting game but it's, it's obviously a major step for him to get back on the field get some minutes and and to to take that next step towards becoming returning to be being the player that he had he had blossomed into in the Premier League you know, I, I know U.S. fans are eager to get him back in the national team and hope that he's a part of qualifying. And I just think people should definitely slow it down. That's going to be a see, while. Ha, let, let, let's, see, let's see him play. Let Let him have time to really settle back in. And <clears throat> I think, I think you know, he doesn't need any more pressure than he already is putting on himself. And I think the time will come when he'll, he'll be back in the mix. But, I mean, I think it's, it, after 18 months, you can't already be – National team. When's he going to get called in the camp? Where's Jurgen going to play him? Like, people, settle down. There are other midfielders. Let him do his thing. <laughs> Let him rehab and recover. There's no need to rush the guy. He's been through hell. Yeah, but Ivis, so,
0: you're missing the most important thing. I mean, he's still 78 overall in FIFA. So, I mean, if he's a 78 overall in FIFA 13, I mean, he's, he's still good to go then. Come on, man.
1: Well, hey, you can start him on FIFA all day. You can put him on national <laughs> team. But I, I, I think people need to just... Give him a break, you know. <clears throat> Cut him slack. Let 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 him recover. And uh, but still, again, he's one of the most beloved players in American soccer because he's such a great guy and has such a great attitude about everything he's been through. But uh, I game. Mean, you know, most people they went through what he's gone through now, with all these injuries and all this waiting. You know, it might have broken him down, and, and all the credit to him that, that he keeps going, coming keep, he coming back, and he keeps having that same positive attitude.
0: Well, speaking of, of a player being broken down, that's Maurice Adu. Uh, he went to Stoke City. Things did not work out for him there. I, I believe he only played in one game, uh, but he's now on loan going to Turkey, and uh, hopefully he's able to uh, get some playing time and get back into the U.S. men's national team picture. I, I mean, he— I, no matter what you say, it's a smart move because he had to leave Stoke City because he wasn't playing, right?
1: right. I mean, it really has turned into a bit of a nightmare move <clears throat> for him to go to go to Stoke and you know people need to realize it was kind of a late developing move, and, and you know there wasn't much for him to 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 there weren't many other options, and for him to go to the Premier League it was, it was a good step, but obviously he hasn't played a minute. he's not even getting on on the bench and I think anyone that looked at the the deal when it happened. You know, had to think that maybe there was that possibility because Stoke City just has so many midfielders. You know, they really stockpile them. And he's not even the only one that's going through that. You know, Wilson Palacios, the Honduran national team midfielder, yeah. he's also not playing either. And he's another one who has to go find a move, And you know, with World Cup qualifying, and he's an important part of Honduras. Uh, so, you know, Mauricio is not the only one going through that. But uh, it, it's great that that he's been able to find a move he's going to get some playing time and kind of get his rhythm back. And, you know, I I know people aren't so sure where he fits in in the national team in the scheme of things with the national team, but, you know, I think he's shown that, you know, that that he's he's versatile. He can play center back, and he can also provide some depth in, in the central midfield. And I think he's still going to be a factor in qualifying.
0: No, I agree with you. I think a do at center back, that's more of his position. Personally, for me, I'm not too much of a fan of his decision-making on the field. I don't think he does well in the attack, but he does a very good job, I think, when, when he when he is the last line of defense. And and just just overall in general, though, I mean, you don't want to see guys. You know, it, it, we've gone through this with, with guys like Outdoor in the past and, and on Yehu where they go places that were just so excited. Oh, my gosh, this is a great move for them. And, and then they go there, then they just sit there. I mean, that happened with Bradley, too. So, you know it's it's you, uh, you know start a uh, first point you, you don't want to see this happen to guys because i mean it, it is i mean this is their job this is their life and it'd be, it'd be the same for us you know if we went somewhere then you know then then nothing happened out for us so it's good for him to move on uh, there's another move potentially uh, Clarence Goodson also might be going to turkey and i believe we all look forward to seeing that house hunters international of him looking for a new house in turkey
1: uh, I don't know. If the, I don't know how. You didn't <laughs> see know. that episode? Yeah, I he was saw, on an episode. I saw that show, and actually, it's funny you mentioned that when uh, when I was in Kansas City for the quali- the Guatemala qualifier, uh-huh. uh, I was I was out, and uh, you know I was out, and I saw Goodson. You know, we had a good chat, and I, I brought that up, you know, and I asked him about that, and you know, <laughs> whose idea was that? Yeah. Where'd that come from? And he he pretty much copped to the, the, the fact that it was definitely the wife and the and the mother-in-law, and he had no say in the matter, and he pretty much was forced. S- smart so, man, though.
0: Hey, that that's a smart man. I mean, I'm not married, but yeah. I know that's a smart man. You do what your wife tells you, especially when it comes to stuff like that.
1: Right. He, I mean, he he realized that it was a big deal for, her, for the wife and the, <laughs> and the mother-in-law. So I'm, I'm sure he gained a lot of brownie points, but but I'm sure to this day he still catches flack for, for that show. Oh, I, I, can't,
0: I can't wait for it. I mean, how great is this? You know, it's uh, House Hunters International in Turkey. I'm excited. <laughs> now let's move into Eric Zavoletta. Uh He is the Seattle Center's pick at number 10. Eric, how you doing today, my man? Doing well. How about you? We are doing excellent. All right, MLS Strap was yesterday. Um, you had the uh, you were picked at number ten by the Seattle Sounders. You know, walk us through that that whole moment of of being picked and and hearing your name called. What what did that feel like?
2: Well, it's a it's a nerve wracking feeling sitting up there, um, not knowing where you're going, and um, just sitting watching people get picked in front of you. But um, once you finally hear your name picked, it's it's a pretty exciting day.
1: Now, you you were sitting there and uh, trying to figure out who's going to take you, and uh, so it gets to the 10 and the trade goes down. So you, it, it had to be a pretty quick process of finding out, you know, not knowing where you're going to go, and then all of a sudden Seattle trades up. I mean, did, did you have any sense that that was coming? Did anyone kind of tip you off?
2: Well, I, I had a pretty positive meeting with Seattle um, at the Combine, and, and, and they told me of their interest to trade up to try to get me, but, but they weren't sure that that was going to be possible. Um, and, and then when I fell to... To the ten spot, um, I think they didn't have a, a, to give up as quite as much as, as they they would have um, earlier on. And so, uh, when I saw that they were trading up, uh, I was pretty pretty hopeful and pretty confident that that was for me. And um, you know, once I finally heard the Indiana University product, uh, I was pretty excited.
1: <laughs> you weren't worried that maybe they were going after Louis Louis Softner there with that pick? <laughs> <laughs> no, not too much there.
0: You know, Eric. Uh, for the first time in your life, you know, you're going to have to leave Indiana in that general area. How excited are you to go up to Seattle? And you know, with that rabid fan base and just the exposure up there, I mean, how excited are you for that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of great things, obviously, about the organization and the fan base, but the city as well. And um, I'm excited to to be a part of of what's regarded highly of, of, as the best organization in the league. And um, I'm so thankful that, that I have that opportunity to, to be able to fall one in the top ten to, to a, such a great organization where, where we're going to be competing for championships this year, and, and ultimately um, that's, that's the perfect place
1: for me. And, and as rookies coming into the league, they you know they don't know what to expect as far as or the, the team, as far as the coaches they're going to play for. You happen to be going to play for a coach that your family knows really well. It's kind of unique there. What have your what have, uh, have your uncle and, and your father told you about C and, and kind of what to expect?
2: Well, you know, they, they told me Ziggy is a great guy, you know, and, and he'll take care of me. And um, But at the same time, you know, it's the pros now, and, and he needs to win games. And um, I think he's got a great plan for me. He sees uh, sees things in me that, that will work good for their team. And, and he, they told me to expect to get out there and, and to work hard because he wants players that are going to work hard and, and work to win games. And um, I like the way that they play, and, and I'm um, – a guy that I think is pretty comfortable on the ball,
1: and I think that's going to fit perfect with their system. Right. Now, I saw you, I saw you have a long uh, conversation with Siggy uh, after the draft, him and your family, uh, and everyone wants to know where, where they plan on playing you. You know, that was the big question coming into the draft was, you know, are you a center back? Are you a forward? And it sounds like he, he's going to give you a chance to kind of show yourself at, at both positions. Uh, wh- where do you think you're going to end up, and then what has he told you about that as far as his plans?
2: Well, I mean, I think that there's there's holes to fill in, in both spots, um, but I think I'm going to go into the to the training camp and and see exactly where um, where I fit. Great with the system, and um, I think uh, I've got a chance at both positions. But but a big hole is at center back, and um, Ziggy likes center backs that can play out of the back and uh, can can win balls and, and be comfortable on the ball, and uh, that's part of the reason why he wanted to get me. in. Um, I want to be that guy for him. And, and if it's center back or if it's forward, I'm going to work hard to, to make sure that I'm helping the team win games.
0: Eric, have any of the players reached out to you since you've been picked by the team?
2: Yeah, I, I, I got a, a few things. Um, it was pretty cool to get a, a tweet from Eddie Johnson, um, just knowing that those guys are, were watching and are excited to have me there. Just, I'm excited to come play with them.
1: As far as your college season, you know, congratulations on that national championship how much did winning a title kind of make it easier for you to to jump to the pros? And do you think maybe you would have stayed there, or stayed in school, or if you guys didn't get that title?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought. Uh, I mean, it's a really tough decision to choose to leave school early. You know, there's a lot of vested interest in school here, and um, and, and a lot of guys that I've known for such a long time that I enjoyed spending time with and playing with. And um, that run there at the end was was a really exciting thing for me and, and for the team. And um to be able to win a championship, which was my ultimate goal in coming here um was a big reason why I felt like I kind of had the monkey off my back and i I was ready to and able to move on um and leave this school um at, at really the highest point
1: uh, i'll will jump in again on this one for you erica it's uh the draft happened to also be in Indianapolis, and I'm sure you were aware of that that once you actually signed your deal. Uh, you know, did you start thinking about what that day is going to be like, and uh, and ultimately, how how was it having having it all go down here in your hometown?
2: Yeah, you know, you know, I found out a couple of years ago that, that Indy was probably the the destination for the draft, and uh, you know, it was a target year for me because one, I thought it would, it would be great for my development um, to come out pretty early, um, but at the same time, being able to be in Indianapolis in front of so many friends and family um, was was gonna. I knew it would be an incredible opportunity. And, and once I signed my deal, I started to really think, you know, um, how cool is this really going to be? And um, As much as I thought, as cool as I thought it was going to be, it, it was really a, a feeling that I'll never forget.
0: You know, Eric, uh, most maybe most MLS fans have never heard of you, but uh, U.S. men's national team uh, geeks have definitely heard of you. I mean, you, you played with the U-17 national team residency program. And, I mean, you play with the U-17 team in the World Cup. I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your experiences like suiting up for the U.S. national team, being able to wear, you know, that, that American jersey?
2: Well, it's it's an incredible feeling to be able to go out there and re- represent your country. Um, it's, it's the pinnacle of, of soccer um, in this country and, and in the world. And um, playing in the U-17 World Cup was an incredible experience that, that has really helped me mature as a soccer player. Um, you know, it, it's something that, is unmatched to anything, and uh, it's been uh, a, a quite a while now since i suited up in that jersey, and um, I miss it a lot, and, and I've been working really hard to try to get back into the national team, and I'm hoping that this, with this jump uh, I'll be able to learn more from the coaching staff at the Sounders and then playing against great players every day, like Eddie Johnson, um, to, to help me um, get back to, to the national team, because ultimately that's, that's where I want to
0: be. You know, that, that, that feeling when you hear the national anthem, I mean, is that the, is that the moment when you realize that you'll never forget that moment for the rest of your life?
2: Yeah. I mean, you, you're standing there listening to your national anthem with your country's crest on it, looking across to another country, you know, and, and that's a feeling that everybody always, always dreams of as a little kid. And, um, you know, that's when you know that you're doing something right, and um, it was really cool to represent my country um, in the World Cup, and, and at the U17 level, and then a couple times at the U20 level, and I'm just looking to move on and, and get to the senior level.
1: Yeah, now you're you're going into your rookie year, and you're uh, you're 20 years old, and most people might think you know you, you're going to need some time to develop. But it sounds to me like you, you, you're confident that you could you could push for eight minutes maybe as a rookie. Uh, how confident are you about that and about going in, and do you think you can make an impact right away in your rookie year?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I have the size and physical ability to step in right away. I mean, there's some things that I'm going to have to learn, and, and that's what um, I think will benefit highly from, from six weeks of training camp. And um, You know, whatever whatever the coach makes a decision, um, I'll be ready. But what I've been preparing for, this stage for such a long time, and I felt like I was ready to leave school and move on to a new challenge. And um, you know, I, I feel like I can step in and play right away. And um, I, I'm hoping that I get that opportunity.
1: Uh, lastly, I have to ask you: now that you're, you know, going to Seattle, you obviously know about the the, the fans up there and how the scene is. Have you thought about what it would be, what it's going to be like when you when you finally step on the field there, Central Link Field, sold out crowd? Uh, one of the, you know, arguably the best atmosphere. Definitely one of the best atmospheres in MLS. Have you thought about what that experience is going to be like?
2: Well, you know, I, I've I played in a, a, the most fans I played in front of was about twenty five, thirty thousand at the World Cup, and that, that was an incredible experience. And um, just sitting down yesterday, thinking I'm going to be playing in front of um, even more than that in and in, in a more rowdy crowd, um, almost on a weekly basis, is an exciting feeling. It, it's it's a uh, it's a, something that makes you better. It's something that makes you want to play better, and um, you know I'm really excited to to be able to step uh, foot on the field in front of those those fans.
0: Well, Eric, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. If anyone wants to uh, follow you on Twitter, you can follow you at at underscore a i r underscore r i q underscore. If everyone wants to follow Eric on Twitter. Eric, thank you so much for joining us, man, and good luck this
2: season. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Ivis, you and i were talking about this before this show i mean what an awesome just experience for for one a rookie to get drafted but two and, and not to take away from any of the other mls teams but to get to go to Seattle sounders with that fan base and just that atmosphere and, and the rivalries that they have it's just t- talk about just a i mean a hole in one you know
1: right and and i mean not just that not just the, the i mean Seattle's great their fans are amazing and all the players love playing there but also, you know, Eric also gets to play for Siggy Schmidt,
3: who he
1: his family knows well. His father's played for, his uncle's played for, and is obviously one of the best coaches in the league. So for a 20-year-old player coming out of college who, who, who needs a development structure, you know, he's going to the best, you know, one of the best places he could possibly have asked to go for, go to.
0: Yeah, and uh, just... Yeah, I, I, I can only think about how, how much fun uh, Eric's going to have up there. All right, let's look at the uh, the rest of the draft in general, though. Um, you know, some surprises, not too many surprises. Uh, Chivas USA uh, stuck to their guns. They did what they, were, uh, they said they were going to do. But for the rest of the draft, though, I mean, you were correct in your prediction that Andrew Farrell uh, would go number one overall. However, though, that was not to Toronto. But, you know, I, I think you kept reporting, though, that you expected Toronto to uh, trade either the first or the third pick.
1: Right. I mean, I think pretty much when Toronto got the number three pick from Portland uh, way back uh, earlier in the winter, it was pretty clear that they were going to trade one of those and they were probably going to trade the one. Uh, there was value there and, and they're a team that needs allocation money. And uh, as I said before, you know, they, they, they got exactly what they wanted. They got two talented Canadian players and they got a pile of allocation money to help them deal with their salary cap issues and give them some flexibility. To uh, uh, build a team and and compete in 2013, and not just rebuild.
0: And um, I mean, w- when you look at the draft in general, uh, you know who who are your winners and who are your losers in the draft.
1: Well, Toronto, FC, I think obviously is, is the big winner. I'd, I'd give them the best grade in the day. And after them, the t- two other teams that stood out for me were were the Colorado Rapids and the, the Houston Dynamo. You know, I thought the Rapids did well to to you know revamp their team and, and and fill some key holes that they that you know they they've opened up in the offseason. You know, they traded away Omar Cummings and they traded away Jeff Laurentovitz and, and left you know some holes on their roster and they go into the draft and get arguably two of the best players at those you know very positions. You know, you get Deshaun Brown who who a lot of people compare uh, to Omar Cummings and kind of consider him potentially to be a young younger version of Omar Cummings and then you have Dylan Powers, a really ta- talented central midfielder who, you know, obviously, you know, filling Jeff to his shoes is no easy task. But, you know, he's someone who could develop into a pretty solid uh, contributor for the Rapids. And who are your losers in the draft? Well, I mean, I'd say, you know, Chivas, uh, it's hard to argue that, you know, they got their man. They got Carlos Alvarez. They loved him. And he fit perfectly for them as far as not only him being a talented attacking midfielder, but also just the story. He's an an L.A. kid, East L.A. kid. His father played for Chivas Guadalajara. So he fit perfectly. It was like, you know, if they they could have drawn up the the ideal pick, he was the guy. But I think they took him early. You know, I I don't think he would have even gotten in the top ten if Chivas hadn't taken him. So I think they lost out on the opportunity they had to trade down and and, and collect some money. So that's why, for me, I think you have to kind of downgrade their draft. And and I think FC Dallas might have, uh, you know, come away having wasted a pick, you know, they were lucky, in a sense, to get Walker Zimmerman to slide down to them. And, and I think he's a great kid. He's gonna he's someone who could develop into one of the very best players in this draft and, and maybe a national team player in the future. Uh, but, again, that's not really a neat position for them. Uh, they, they have center backs. They have George John and Matt Hedges and uh, Ugo Ahemelo as, as well if he, if he makes it back. So so they're, they're pretty set there. Um, but value, I thought that was right. But then the second round, the first pick of the second round, 20th overall, I think they pretty much wasted a pick in going to, to select Ryan Hollingshead, the UCLA midfielder who's on a, mission, a, a religious mission in Haiti and who's planning to do missionary work uh, for the foreseeable future. And, and my sources tell me that he doesn't plan on coming back, at least not anytime soon. So if that is the case and he's not, and he's not coming back, then Dallas just wasted a pick that they absolutely could have used on a, a player who would make their team.
0: I mean, do do you know why they would even even take that pick? I mean, do they know something that we don't know, or is that just they're taking him just so he can say he got drafted type of setup? I mean,
1: why, why would they even do that? <laughs> well, well I'd say from what I've heard, it's it's just a case of, that, of them feeling that they can convince him to come back and play. Ah, that, seems, and,
0: that seems like way too much work, though.
1: Well, that's, that's the thing. That's why I think it's a waste of pick. I mean, if you pick him, you better already have him committed to coming back. And from what I understand, and from the people that I've talked to that know, Hollingshead, said he has that no such agreement was reached. There's been no deal there. Uh, he's in he's in Haiti. He's building churches in Haiti. So I mean, he he's really committed to his to to his cause, and it's something that you know he's always wanted to do. This isn't some fad. This is really a part of something that he believes in. And and I don't see how FC Dallas is going to convince him to leave that early. So uh, so for me that that that's why I think uh, you know. They, you got to give them one of the lower grades uh what i will say is overall it, it wasn't a, a draft that had like blow your mind awful picks and we've had that <clears throat> in recent years we've had teams that took took players who were way too, taken way too early you know columbus crew has kind of been known for doing that uh here and there through the years well,
0: well but, let's 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 talk about their pick i mean ryan finley i mean what, what do you think of their pick right there at number nine
1: well, I mean I think he, he went a little early, but you know, I don't I I wouldn't knock that pick as much as some picks that they've made in the past. You know, I think Finley, when you look at, at what he did at Notre Dame, you know, he's a leading scorer in the nation and, and played probably half the minutes of, of most other top forwards. I think he's a good finisher, he's great in the in the area, makes good runs. And uh he's I think he's grown up a lot. I think there were some questions about his maturity and whether he's a good locker room guy. And you know, I've had a chance to talk to him quite a bit and uh you know for me, he he totally uh, agrees that he needed to do some growing up. you know he played for Duke and he got pretty much got kicked off the team at Duke and uh, you know was lucky enough to have Notre Dame take him in uh, when he really didn't have many other options and and Coach Bobby Clark, I think did a great job of helping him grow up and helping giving him an environment to to, to kind of mature and, and and really develop as a player and I think the crew did well to get him. might have been little early, but uh, you know I, for me, I don't have a problem with that pick
0: you know and then so i mean so so when you when you look at the winners here i mean Ivis, you got the rapids dynamo and toronto fc i'm going to declare my own winner i'm going to give uh the hairstyles in the draft they won and then on the losing side um i mean it looks like so far you have um i'm sorry i mean on the losing side you had chivas usa and then you also had the um FC Dallas. FC Dallas. Excuse me. Yeah. Sorry. I blinked on that. Um. Regardless, though, when when you look at the rest of the draft and, and you look at the rest of the picks in the draft, is there anything that stood out to you? Are there any players that you look at and you're like, oh man, dude, he could really be an impact player for that team this year?
1: Well, you know, I think when you talk about the higher end of the draft, you know, I think there were some players who, you know, for me, Andrew Farrell, I think is going to play right away. I think he could be a starting right back for New England and he's going he's gonna to be a be I think he's going to be a special player, and, and, and a lot of people around the league uh, felt that way, I mean, I had some coaches, some of the top coaches in MLS, uh, tell me that, you know, he's one of the best players to come out of the, the combine and draft in, in several years, and uh, the crazy part is, I was looking at this last night, and I didn't even realize it, but he's only 20 years old, you know, and when you meet him, you think, man, this kid's 22, 23, he's mature, very smart, you know, we had him, obviously, he was the first guest ever on the SBI podcast, so I mean, that's you know, he and he handled himself well, and he's 20 years old. So it's just, you know, scary to think about where this kid's going to be in five years. You know, for me, just looking at that, I mean, if he's not, you know, he could absolutely be a national team player in five years just with the the, the tools he has. The physical gifts that he has—I uh, mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if, he, if he's that kind of player.
0: Well, i, I well, what I mean, I, let me let me re- re- rephrase the question. I, out of the, I guess, the obvious guys, the guys that we know are going to be the good ones. You know, the, the Andrew Farrells, you know, the, the Walker Zimmerman's of the world. I mean, the Ryan Finleys. I mean, those guys are obviously going to get playing time. But when you look in the later stages of the draft, you know, um, I mean, like you know, the, the teams that had to pick later on in the draft, you know, the impact DC United, LA Galaxy. I mean, some of these teams had picks that were, you know, some of these teams only were able to pick in 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 the later half of the first round and and most of their picks came in the second round you know are are there any like diamonds in the rough in in the later first rounds or in or in the second round of of guys that really if things work out you know those guys could be you know these you know the, the next up and coming guy that we just did not see coming i mean do you see any guys in the draft that are like that
1: well as far as guys that slipped that could end up being absolute steals i think jason johnson uh he's someone who was really bad at the combine but anyone who scouted him during the season and did their homework on him knows that he's got the talent. And, and you know, he couldn't have gone to a better place than the Houston Dynamo, where Dom Kinnear is such a great developer of talent. And, Dom, and Dom, when Dom, Dom Kinnear drafts you, there's a very good chance that you've got some quality. I mean, he does not waste draft picks. I mean, when you think about guys like Will Bruin and Kobe Sarkoti and Jeff Cameron, uh, he, he gets it done. And Johnson, you know, goes to a team with four Jamaicans on it, and it's going to be a great place for him to develop and settle in. And, and I think, you know, he could end up being the star of this draft, absolutely, even though he looked horrible at the combine. If you want to talk about second-round players and, and people who could kind of just of come out and be, be like a Tim Ream and, and just completely uh, you know, surprise people, I think. Uh, you know Someone like Ian Christensen, who goes to New, the New York Red Bulls, uh, the midfielder from Georgetown, he's someone who you know if things break you know, a certain way here or there and he has to play, I think he's someone who could handle himself. I think Corey Kendall. Once again, a Colorado Rapids draft pick. I think he was a steal for them at the 25th overall pick. He's argu- arguably the best left back in this draft. Very athletic, very fast uh, left back who can get up and down the line. Uh, I think he could do very well for them. And uh, when you talk about someone uh, like, the, well, for me, the Portland Timbers, um, they, they got an absolute steal. You know, they, 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 they trade away Mike Facito, who they wanted to get rid of anyway. I mean, they were going to waive Mike Facito, from what I understand. And they turn around, and they find somebody to, to take him, and they took the San Jose Earthquakes took him, and, and Portland got the number 34 pick. They're only picking the draft, and they get a player in Dylan Tucker. I, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right. Dylan Tucker the uh, center back from the University of Washington, who, I mean, for me was kind of a, a first-round value. Uh, and for them to, to get him later in the second round was an absolute steal. And, and even better, they took him right before Seattle had a pick. The Seattle Sounders had the 35th pick. And I think everyone in the building would have expected Seattle to grab uh, the, the center back from the University of Washington. And Portland, right there, they step in and they totally snatch him away. And and I'm pretty sure Caleb Porter. And I know for a fact that you know I reached out to Caleb Porter about that, and, and uh, he, he's definitely ecstatic, ecstatic for that pick. So that I think is is he's a player who we could look at and say, wow, I can't believe he went late in the second round.
0: When you look at Dylan's uh, accolades from his senior year, I mean, very impressive to look see. Um, i mean all the awards that he picked up uh you know a, a pack pack uh, a pack twelve player you know obviously men 's college soccer is not as uh, big on the west coast as it is in the other parts of the country though but when you when you look at his uh the awards that he won this past year at the university of washington i mean very very impressive uh very impressive right. career I- for him uh,
1: uh, 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 you know at UW. Right, no, I, you know, I was actually lucky enough to see him play. Uh, when I went, out on, uh, I went out to L.A. in October and, 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 and saw some games, saw the Galaxy Salt Lake game, but I saw UCLA Washington. I was there uh, at UCLA when, uh, when Washington upset UCLA, and he, and, and you know, he stood out. I mean, he was a player you could just see the size. He's six three. He's a, he, and he moves well for a center back. He's dangerous in the air. He can score goals and. You know, I remember on that day thinking this guy's absolutely an uh, MLS uh, prospect. And I thought at the time he was a junior and it turned out he's a senior. But he's someone who's going to make that Timbers roster. And I'm not saying he's going to start. But I think if we're looking four years down the road and, and we look back on this draft, it wouldn't shock me if he's one of the best players to come out of it.
0: No, and, 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 and you're right. I mean, there there are some times and there are some years where guys do come out of the second round. And sometimes you're right. I mean, things do work out for them. But, you know, I, I think it's safe to say, though, um, that with with, you know, you see the th- the other thing too is I mean most of these kids are now starting to get into the age these kids I'm, I'm like five I'm like five seconds older on these kids um, but most of these kids are now starting to get in the age of of where they were born and they've grown up with with professional men's soccer in in America you know <laughs> but before that you know the draft five years ago I mean these some of those some of those guys grew up with There was no professional soccer in America. So, I mean, most of these guys, the guys that were born maybe in 92, 93, you got to look at it. I mean, they were what, uh, you know, three and four years old when when MLS started. So, by the time these kids got to eight years old, I mean, MLS was around for a couple years. So, and and I think with the, you know, as as the generations start to increase, I I can only see the draft becoming stronger and stronger every single year because these kids all grew up in a time where MLS soccer was on TV, right?
1: Right. I mean, I I think, you know, as far as away from the draft, but. One of the interesting signings this offseason was, uh, you know, the Columbus crew signed a bunch of homegrown players, including Will Trapp. And and Mm -hmm. Will Trapp is a player who who's in his whole life. He only knows that Columbus crew have existed. So it's been his dream since a young age, very, very young age to play for the Columbus crew. And I think it's great now that we're, we're having this generation of players. Who, who don't know what life is like without mls we have never had to, to kind of live through the lean years of uh of, of no soccer of no pro american soccer league you know when you're talking about the 80s and early 90s uh so it's great i mean and, and i think it's only going to get better i think now with mls academy's cranking out more talent uh mm-hmm. as we see with all these great uh homegrown players starting to come through the ranks so you know i think it's only it's only better it's it's just only positive for the league to have a new generation of young players who who have that you know emotional connection to the league.
0: Yeah, and that's something that down at my job at the uh, you know, if anyone doesn't know, I'm the I'm the PR guy for the uh, Casa Grande uh, Real Salt Lake Academy down in Casa Grande, uh, Arizona. And I mean, I was talking about that with some of the guys down there that that I mean, it's exactly like you said. I mean, there's a lot of now homegrown players that are not going to be in this draft anymore. I mean, there's some good talent that won't be in this draft, and it just. It, just, it, it makes me giddy to think of how, how the talent is, is, is starting to form, form and everything. But, you know, when we talk about the draft and rebuilding teams, and, and, you know, some teams obviously have to be a little bit smarter about rebuilding those teams. I mean, you had a chance to sit down with uh, Paul Bravo. He's the Colorado, Colorado Rapids, excuse me, a technical director. Uh, you sat down with him for a couple minutes and, and talked about how they're uh, restructuring their team and uh, rebuilding. And uh, here's that interview with Ivis and Paul right now.
1: We were with Paul Bravo, the Colorado Rapids uh, and a busy day on, the, on draft day. And Paul, the season as you said, has been very busy for you. You've really rebuilt the team. You've parted ways with some key veterans, members of the, well, the MLS Cup winning team. Can you just talk about that process? And also today, how do you feel about the draft you guys just had?
3: No, I mean it's it's always tough going through that process of of uh, you know guys who have done the business for you in the past. Um, you know when when we sat down and, and looked at the roster makeup and and all of the elements that go into that, we felt it was it was time for us to um, to get younger, um, uh, get a little bit more attack minded, especially with the way Oscar. And the club want to want to play, um, and so those were those were the keys to some of the decisions that we made. Not easy parting ways with the all-time leading goal scorer in the club, and Connor Casey. Uh, moving Omar Cummings uh, was um, like slitting my own throat, um, and then and then yesterday um, yesterday you know doing the move with with uh, Jeff. But but when we when we when we go back and we look at the process. Um, you know, Henry, Pablo coming back. Um, you know that that made a difference for us with with regards to, to Jeff's situation. Um, Omar, we we felt we needed a little bit better fit for us. Um, you know, we needed to get more goals out of that out of that spot. Um, and then Connor was was. Um, you know, that that was probably the, the, the most difficult one because he's a Denver native as well. Um, you know, and, and so that, that kind of shaped our, our draft strategy as well. Um, we've said all along, younger, uh, bolder, more attack-minded um, is is the direction that we want to go in as a club. Um, that's where you see DeShorn at, at number six. Um, we think that you know, um, he fits that 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 vision that we've been talking about. You know, you move Omar, you bring in Deshawn, possibly a younger younger Omar uh, who could play wide and he could play as a number nine as well. Eventually, um, you know, uh, Powers, you know, is a is is a guy who people feel and we feel this way as well. Has the ability to step right in and give you minutes in in MLS and and moving Jeff. Made a necessity to go after a guy like Powers. Um, you know, we bring in Edson for for um, uh, for Connor. Um, so I think I think most of the the moves that we made have been pretty calculated, and and we tried to think it out through the whole process. And. You know, uh, credit to, to Oscar and the staff for um, uh, really putting the, the, the time and effort into, into the draft. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I said this earlier, is my background is as an attacker. So is Oscar. And I think you, you kind of sense the direction that we want to go with the club when we, when we take Deshaun Brown at, at number six, with, uh, with maybe everybody thinking that we might go defender at that point.
1: Talking about that, uh, there was a lot of talk about, obviously, Walker Zimmerman. I don't know if that was that a smoke...
3: Was that a, in your part, putting that out there? Or is it, we, we, we we had Walker uh, highly rated. Uh, but what we saw from Deshaun over over the past year and then uh, at the at the combine and then, you know, obviously necessitated by the, the Omar move, we felt it was the right fit for us. You know, he's 6'2", he's 170, he's raw, Um he, he takes up good spots in, in the box. Uh, he's got a goal scorer mentality. Um, we need to clean him up a little bit and, and uh, give him a little more insight into the game. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he's a future star in this league. Um, and so, you know, again, those attacking players we love.
1: Are you guys done as far as major moves, or or can we expect something more between now and the the start of the season?
3: Well, we announced Kevin Harbuttle today. Um, He'll add some more creativity and, you know, a guy in the final third that can break people down off the dribble. Um, You know, we're, we're not done. We we want to we want to continue to maybe add one or two more pieces to the group, um, uh, you know. But but at this point, I wouldn't say anything's imminent. Uh, we're we're probably a couple of weeks away from, um, you know, maybe maybe making a, another announcement or two. How close are you to uh,
1: signing Dylan Serna to the general uh,
3: homegrown player deal? We're we're very close. So it's not done yet. Um, what what should I say there? Dylan. <laughs> yeah. um, Dil- what can you tell me about Dylan? Turner? Dylan Dylan's a, another one of those guys that fits our vision. You know, uh, you know he's he's creative, um, he's exciting. Uh, he's the type of young player that can put people on the, the edge of their seats. Um, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I, I think it's time for him. But but we'll have to kind of wait and see. I mean, he he's um, you know he's got a great opportunity at, a- at Akron. But but at the end of the day, I think Dylan's very eager to get his professional career started. lot, and,
0: and like I said, I mean, some teams have the money to spend and, and they can cover their mistakes. But other teams, like you know, the call Rapids is one of those teams that they have to be smart with all the decisions. I mean, I'm glad you had a chance to sit down with and talk to him about that team and, and how they're trying to rebuild. You know.
1: Well, I think they've done a really. Uh, Excellent job of of turning a team over that was 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 kind of in danger of of painting themselves into a corner with an older generation of players, and that's the thing when you have a team uh, that has that kind of old, older core of players, you you don't want you, you have to be careful about falling into the trap of of having your team get old all at once, and then and then all before you know it, your the cupboards are bare, all oh, these guys are too old, or they, you know they retire or they just can't play well anymore, and I think the Rapids have done a good job of, of kind of Getting ahead of that, and uh, you know Jeff Laurentovitz is obviously he can still play, he can still be an impact player in MLS. But when you talk about salary and age for players like him and Omar Cummings and, and Connor Casey, you know they had the, the Raptors really had to kind of decide. You know, are we going to try one more year with this group, or are we really going to go in the other direction, get younger, and start really building for this next generation? And and I think uh, Paul Bravo, I, I give him all the credit. You know, when when you look at the draft that he had. And the, and the young talent he brought in, and also the homegrown young talent. You know, they have a player like Shane O'Neill and, a, and Dylan Serna, who is, is about to sign. He, he, I, you know, my sources tell me he, the deal's already done. I think they're going to announce it later today. Uh, but now they have Deshaun Brown, Dylan Powers, Corey Kindle, three quality prospects who, you know, for me, I, I have no doubt they're going to make the team. So now they have that strong young nucleus. and, they, and But they also have still have some some good veterans um, there. They, they added Edson Buttle. Uh, they have their, their midfield trio of, of Martin Rivero, Jaime Castrillon, and Henry Thomas, uh, which is, you know, I don't think people enough people are aware of just how good that group is just because, you know, the Rapids are a little below the radar. But which, I think they, they're, he's, they're, he's, they're doing some things there.
0: You still got Tony Cassio. I mean, good young player last year. I mean, there, there was talk <laughs> in the beginning of the year that he could, he could be up for rookie of the year. I mean, he kind of tailed off a little bit at the end, but he did good. And then you also have Pablo Mastorani. I mean, he's coming back from an injury, and, and hopefully he can re- obviously return back to the form that he's at, and yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, if if things work out for the Rapids, they they could. I mean, do you do you see that? I mean, if, if if let's say let's say for example things work out for the Rapids, I mean, do you see them as a team that could seriously cause headaches for teams in the Western Conference?
1: I, I don't think they're going to be a horrible team, but I think maybe they're a year away. I think I think this uh, this young generation uh, needs needs a little bit of seasoning, needs a time a little bit of time. But I, I think they're better off now. Uh, Than they were, you know, at the very end of last season, where you know they're an older team. You don't know which direction they're going to go in. Where's the young talent? And now they have, you know, they've added just in this offseason so much young, quality young talent that is is going to set them up for the next year. So I think the, they still need a little bit of experience for that group, uh, but I don't think they're going to be a pushover. They're not a team that's going to be in the basement. Uh, and I think, like you said, you know, they, they could be right in that mix this year for for a wild card spot in the West.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I mean that all depends on some other teams too. I mean Vancouver, you know, it depends what it depends how they're going to start off this year. Are, are they going to be that team that started off really hot and, and tail off at the end? I mean, you, you I mean it's safe to say that you have some other teams that you know the teams that we will know that are, that are going to be there at the end. But then you have then you have that mixture of other teams that you know maybe if things work out the the ball finds a certain player's foot it, it could go that way and and I was speaking of teams that are rebuilding um, I know you had a chance to sit down with Kevin Payne and uh, talk to him about uh, all their all their moves in the draft and uh, how they're able to to get some more allocation money and uh, for everyone who's listening um, there's some R&B music in the background Ivis why did you play R&B music when you're interviewing him
1: well, I th- well, you know, between me and you and our, and our audience, you know, Kevin Payne isn't really a big fan of SBI. You know, he, I don't think he likes the fact that we keep breaking all the Toronto FC stories. So I, I felt like he was pretty angry. So I figured, you know, if I put in some music, some mellow R&B music, it might, it might you know, calm him down a little bit, put, set the mood. And I think it worked <laughs> out, you know, because he, he, he gave us a great interview and he gave us some really good answers uh, as far as the, their game plan in, in the draft.
0: Yes. Yeah, so hopefully everyone will enjoy this uh, this interview of Ivis and Kevin talking about uh, Toronto rebuilding uh, their team through the draft, uh, trading for allocation money, and the picks that they got. And everyone enjoy
1: the uh, R&B music. How that? How did it play out? Like you kind of planned was it more on the fly? Well,
4: we, um, you know, when we traded the first pick, we we, we had talked to a bunch of teams. It didn't appear to us that anybody was going to go nuts over the first pick, that there was a deal to be done, but not crazy money. Um, We actually discussed with New England what they wanted. And so they, without telling us the player's name, they told us the position. We wanted Becker. If we had kept the pick, we would have used it on Becker. So we were pretty comfortable actually by trading it. we were comfortable that we could get some uh, additional value and then still get Becker uh, you know we were pretty confident that uh, Chivas was going to choose probably Alvarez uh, and then we, so we were still three and four we were still kind of in control of the draft uh, it was an easy decision to move down to ten with four uh, because there were a lot of good players still on the board especially there was a couple of early picks that I think might have surprised people Um it was a little nerve-wracking when we went from 10 to 16. But we we had a number of uh, players that we liked still. Emery was number one by far on our list. Um, but we felt confident that if he left, if he, if he got taken, that there would still be somebody on there that we liked. And when we looked at who was picking, we felt pretty comfortable that we were really worried that maybe San Jose might take him. Um, he's a Canadian kid. Uh, you know, Frank and Mark are, are both Canadian They know him So we were a little bit worried about that But, uh, it, you know, we got a lo- we got lucky It worked out So we end up almost doubling our allocation money And we got two very good players That, frankly, if we had been forced to pick at three and four bad about it. We probably would have picked both of them
1: So Can you give me kind of an estimation? I don't know, you can't give specifics But as far as the total haul allocation money-wise How much do you think you got? You cleared today?
4: Well, no, I can't say the number, but I can tell you it's you know pretty significant amount
1: of money. Did you throw in a little smoke screen there too with the Kyle Becker? Because I know you did some interviews and where you you recorded it saying that you guys don't like him, you don't rate him, you're not gonna take him. Did I say that? That's what you recorded it saying. That is that kind of part of the game to kind of throw people off
4: the scent. Uh, you know, we certainly didn't want you know Kyle. Kyle did very well, and we we didn't necessarily want people to know that we were fixed on him uh with two picks ahead of us in the draft so uh we want to make sure we got kyle but um we we rated him when we got there before we got there and we
1: certainly rated him uh, after we watched him with his peers so obviously salary cap wise you needed allocation money and also with the canadian players it helps you flexibility wise could, could this draft have gone any better for you based on what your needs yeah, it went pretty well i mean
4: uh, can always go better. I mean, somebody could have, you know, somebody could have given us, Frank could have given us uh, Wandelowski or something like that, but uh, realistically, it worked about as well as it could have. We had, we wanted to get three or four assets out of the draft. We got five, the way I look at it, five assets. Um, so that's a pretty good day's work. And uh, now we've got money to play with. We've got some good young players who are on low numbers in the cap. Who are from our area, from the Greater Toronto Area, love our team. Uh, we don't have to. We don't have to convince them of those things, you know. And that's a big part of what we're going to be trying to accomplish here in the in the preseason, and it, once we get into the year, is trying to make sure we get a group of guys that care deeply about this uniform and the crest. These guys already do.
1: Are there any major moves left for you? I mean, now that you have some allocation,
4: tons of moves. Uh, we we're a long way from done, um, so we're looking at lots of different. <laughs> players right now um mostly south of us uh you know latin america or or elsewhere to the south of us um we need to add some attacking talent to our group we feel pretty good about our defending uh group right now um but there's a couple of guys that, that we've really got our eye on that we're hoping we can close in the next, you know, two months.
1: You know you had a rebuilding job to do with the rod. Last question for you. You had a rebuilding job coming into this, but it's with all the moves you've made and the moves that you've lined up now, I mean, fair to said, you're confident you guys can compete this year push for a playoff spot or do you still think it's kind of a lot of work to
4: do well there certainly is a lot of work to do you know what I said going in what I uh, think is the truth is that we will be a competitive team this year we'll be a team that's competitive in every game Uh, we're going to be a lot harder to play against at home um, and we, we want to be in the conversation about the playoffs at the end of the year. So, you know, whether we make the playoffs or not, I don't know. But we want to be in a position where at least, you know, we're kind of fighting for position as we head into the back half of the season. But we'll see you know it's easy to say those things we we need to we need to do a lot of things right to get to that position I do feel good that I think defensively we're a lot better than last year you know if you just look at the back group of five that in the center of the field with you know Julio Cesar and Frings and a healthy Frings and a fit Frings and uh Darren O'Day and Danny Calif and uh and Stefan Fry I think we're already considerably better defensively Right.
3: Thanks a
0: lot. Thanks, Iris. Iris, that music sounded pretty sweet. I, I, I gotta say, nice, nice choice.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just want everyone to know that me and Kevin Payne did not dance to that music. It was just in the background <laughs> during the interview.
0: <laughs> Toronto FC had perhaps one of the busiest drafts I, I think I've ever seen a team had in, my, in in my life.
1: Oh no question. I mean, it, you know, it's funny with Toronto. They, one of the people that they used to have run their team, Mo Johnston. Was known as Trader Mo because when you talk about uh, draft day, it, you know he he he'd be talking trade with every single team in the league. He wasn't afraid to make moves, and, and I don't think we've seen this kind of maneuvering since then. And I think Kevin Bain did a great him, him and his group did a great job of, of really just manipulating the draft. And you know, it's easy to it's e- kind of easy to do when you have the one and the three, but it's also easy to completely botch a oh, draft having the one and the three. And I think they they you know they absolutely maximized their assets and made their team a lot better and uh you know i think toronto fc fans i'm sure a lot of them are still upset about the whole ryan nelson hiring and how that's being handled but i think at least on draft day 2013 their fans should be very excited about what that team was able to do and about how how that draft is going to help them
0: yeah, and it's like what you said best. I mean, it's it's very easy for a team to screw up those picks, but you know, you said, I mean, Toronto is as, as much as I mean, they were they for for the draft, they were in control of their own destiny and and made the right decisions. And you know, and, and they have a chance to uh obviously be better this year than they were last year, but you know, you, you never know with a couple more trades, a couple more signings, it could be a whole new team and and, and the team that we knew last year doesn't exist anymore.
1: Right. Well, I mean as as Kevin said, you know they still have some 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 moves in the, in the works, and uh, they they're far from done. You know I think obviously Eric Hosley, as as I reported on SBI, he wants out, and and I think you know they're going to accommodate him. You know they they don't want a player who doesn't want to be there. You know so I think if they succeed in moving Eric Hosley, that that opens up a DP slot for them. Uh, so and now with this allocation money they've gotten, they they have that flexibility to go out on the international market and add some players. So you know I still think for me it's tough to 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 see them cracking into the playoff picture in the East. I just think the the, the other teams at the top of the East have, have all done a good job of of, of getting better. But I think T, TFC has done a good job of rebuilding uh, a roster that was really bad and really has a lot of issues. And And for me, probably might need another season to, to get completely over the mistakes of, of, of the previous years. I mean, I think they still have some really bad contracts on their books that, you know, hinder what they can do. Um, so I think you know we'll really see TFC turn things around for me. I think in 2014, but I think based on I think the moves they've already made, I think they've made more progress than most people would have expected already here in Kevin, in the first off season under Kevin Payne as team president.
0: Well, yeah, and and you can already see the touch that he has um, on the team. Well, that wraps it up for the SBI podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us. That was uh, Eric Zavalletta, and we'll also thank uh, Kevin Payne for joining us. And we will also thank paul bravo for joining us um and uh that wraps it up ivis do you have any uh, any any closing comments as we go into this weekend
1: well you know i, I always tell people that for me, it's my favorite week of the year uh, mls combine and mls draft uh, because of all the stuff that goes on around it but now that it's it's usually when it's when that's you know behind us it, it's it's time to really start thinking about the mls season <clears throat> and it's scary to think that there just really is no offseason anymore in mls and and the season is less than two months away, and teams are starting to report, so it's it's already time to start talking MLS in the upcoming MLS season. It's it, I think it's going to be a great year.
0: I don't know what the other team schedules are, but I do know that the New England Revolution and Real Salt Lake check in at my work on Monday, the twenty first. I am um I am already counting down. I'm looking very forward to uh to seeing these guys, and it's 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 spooky, man. I mean that, that's Monday. They check in Monday. That's two days from now, just like that.
1: Uh, Just remember, no autographs.
0: I'm not going to ask for any autographs. (laughs) Just come on. Who do you think I am?
1: Okay, a few
0: pictures. I might ask ask one of the academy players to ask a player for an autograph. I won't do it myself. (laughs) Pretty smart, huh?
1: Yeah, no autographs, no pictures, and don't show up in a jersey, and I think it will be all right.
0: Oh, really? I I can't show up and, you know, pretend like I'm on the team?
1: (laughs) No, no, you can't. Well, maybe you can wear your Frankie Hader throwback. I don't think anyone will mind that. Oh,
0: that, that that was so funny, Ivis. (laughs) <laughs> Alright man, you have a good weekend Everyone have a safe weekend Thank you for listening to the SBI Podcast
1: Sick boy make moves like a chess piece And that move real quick like Nestle Let me make it clear for a second like Pepsi I was never worried about my wallet being empty Cause when it was empty, I was still happy Walking with my Walkman, freestyle rapping High school Like, what the
2: fuck happened? Nigga off the hook like I fucking shot the captain And this is me relaxing
1: Rapping is my hobby I did this in my bed